about two years ago, two and a half years ago now, and they asked me to teach on what does the Bible teach about sexuality, and it took them about another two years to invite me back again, and so I trust that as we go through this study and what the Word of God teaches us as we look at what the Bible teaches about marriage um, will be something that we will be encouraged by and challenged by. I was a little concerned actually, I'm, I'm trying to look for the the, the newsletter, I can't remember, um, just your series through Genesis said, whose idea was it to get married? And next week, I think you have got a subject like, how did it all go wrong? <laughs> and um, let me just say that the two aren't linked right at the start. Um, whose idea was it to get married? I take it this little study that you've asked me to look at isn't one of protest, you know, the kind of question that someone might ask their partner, well, it was your idea to get married. I don't know why I did it anyway. Here are some lines from, uh, that I've recently heard in films from Hollywood, and I've read quotes from Hollywood. Someone said in Hollywood, a marriage is a success if it outlasts milk. I never believed marriage was a lasting institution. I thought that to be married for five years was to be married forever. Someone else. In Hollywood, Groucho Marx said, in Hollywood, brides keep their bouquets and throw away the groom. Someone said, marriage lets you annoy one special person for the rest of your life. The five most important words in any marriage are, I will do the dishes. I was at a conference on marriage in France about 10 years ago now, and one of the guys who was teaching said, you know, like uh, as a couple, I can't remember the context and what, what, what passage he was teaching, but he was saying that husbands and wives, he was talking about love for one another and care for one another and not taking one, uh, granted, one another for granted. And there was an elderly couple behind us, um, retired missionaries, uh, and they were hard of hearing. And every time the teacher said something, she would comment to her husband in a stage whisper that everyone could hear. And at one point, he cried out, I don't know what your problem is. I do the dishes. So the five most important words in a marriage, I will do the dishes. Now, whose idea was it to get married? Well, you've come to church this morning, and I've come down and train from Motherwell, and I go back on the train tonight, and I've got a very simple answer for you, and we could finish this study in two seconds. Whose idea was it to get married? God. Because we have it right at the very start, of, of the words of God. And, and here in chapter 2 of Genesis, I want to read to you this, 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 this passage in Genesis chapter 2 from verse, verse 8. If you have a Bible, you can turn to it. If you don't, then simply listen to the word of God as it's read 
Genesis is one of the easiest books to find in the Bible. It's right at the start. And we're here in chapter 2, verse 8. Let's read the word of God together. Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, there were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man that you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Verse 18, the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the grounds of all the beasts of the field, and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he had taken out of the man and he brought brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked. And they felt no shame. Now I want you to look at verse 18 in your Bible if you have it open. If you don't, let me just read it again to you. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. What shocks you about that verse? All the way through the Genesis account ready in in creation... We can see what God is saying about his creation. Look at verse 4 of Genesis Genesis chapter chapter 1. God saw that the light was good. Verse 10, and God saw that it was good. Verse 12, and God saw that it was good. Verse 18, and you've got it, and God saw that it was good. Verse 21, and God saw that it was good. Verse 25, and God saw that it was good. And in verse 31 we have this, God saw saw all that he had made, and it was very good. However, when we get to verse 18, what does it say? The Lord God said, it is not good. This is shocking in the Genesis account. 
why does God get to the point in creation where he says it is not good? Now remember, this is before man and woman rebel against God. Andy will deal with that. I think it's Andy that will deal with that next week. And they will take from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, you will surely die. This is before all of this. This is before sin enters the world. This is before the fall of man. And God saw that it was not good. How can this be? Has God created something or a world that is not good? What has happened? What, why is it that God makes this remarkable statement that it's not good? Now maybe, just maybe in your mind, that the reason that God made man and then made woman, maybe there are reasons coming into your head of why God made marriage and man and woman. And I want you to think about that just for a few seconds. Don't take too long. Just two or three seconds. Think of the reason God made man and then woman as, according to the version that I've read, as a helper suitable to him. Think of the reason, the first reason that comes into your head why God made woman. Maybe you're thinking, and I've heard this thought, and you have in your mind that the reason that God made man was because man was lonely in the garden not good for man to be alone. So maybe you're thinking it was for loneliness because Adam was lonely that that God created a woman for him. In other words, Adam was suffering from relational problems. After seeing all the animals, all the birds, all the beasts of the field, after giving them name after name, and it wasn't just names that he, he... he made up, the names that he would have used would have been descriptive words describing the animals. You know, we have that in Latin, isn't it? All these names for, 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 for animals are descriptive names for, for, for animals. Adam wouldn't have just made up a word. It would have been a descriptive word for the animal. So Eve was, was Eve created because of Adam's relational needs? Well, we have just a problem here, don't we? that is the case. What about those who don't marry? Either don't want to marry, can't marry, or are called to celibacy. Does that mean they are incomplete? Does that mean that they should be wandering wandering around saying that they are relationally deficient? Let me encourage you, of course, it does not mean that you are incomplete. No way you need no human being to complete you in any way. God created you unique and your relationship with God is what counts first and foremost. You are already a complete human being and if you're a Christian, all you need is the person of Jesus. Now don't misunderstand me here. Don't think in any way I am decrying your or my relational needs. We all need them. Whether in in marriage or relationships, Uh, friendships um, in in life. We all need these kind of things. However, the question we are asking this morning is why did God create marriage? It's not first and foremost for relational reasons. Thinking of how how demeaning this would be. 
if the only reason that women were created was to fulfill Adam and make Adam complete relationally, think of it. Women were created for a higher purpose than that. And so were men. And down through the centuries and down through the cultures and down through families, some women have been mistreated, abused, and left because some men have believed that the only reason they were created was for them. Now, before we start to shout out here, uh, I agree with it or I disagree with it. It is exactly the other way around. I have met a few guys who believe that the only reason they exist and breathe is because it's for their wife. That they are there to do everything, absolutely everything, and meet every single need for their wife. We are inca- incapable of doing that. I'm incapable of doing that for my wife. I love her deeply. We've been married 20 years this year. I know I don't look old enough. Um, just laugh. No, amen. Did you hear that? Married 20 years this, this year. Um, I, I heard someone who'd been married for 40 years said, that's the same as me, son. I've been married. I've had 20 happy years of marriage. He said, you've been married for 40 years. He said, that's right. I've had 20 happy years of, of, of marriage. Well, I love my wife intensely and deeply but I cannot meet all of her needs only one person can and he is called Jesus Christ the answer to why marriage and why women is not to provide is not firstly to provide relational needs for a man this is a blessing and should be seen as a good coming from such a union but it is not the reason, the ultimate reason for marriage. You as a woman were created for a higher purpose than that. It sees Adam, if we believe this, it sees Adam as supreme over Eve, lording it over Eve, for Eve was created for Adam. We were all created for God. You see, this is why when there is a wedding and the bride and groom leave the festivities of a hotel meal Scotland, I don't know if you have Kayleys down here, I don't know, but in Scotland we have Kayleys, and then when they actually start life together, if all they are looking for is what they can get out of a relationship, then that relationship will not last, it will come sour very quickly. You see, if, the only relational, if it's only relational reasons that we get married, then we have a major problem for the Bible, for nowhere else is this taught in Scripture. If our marriage is all about our social, our physical needs, then this cheapens everything about marriage. I don't need to go into the details. And it doesn't protect our marriage. Why would God, the holy God and jealous God, create someone else that would take the place of God in my life? It doesn't make sense. Maybe when I asked the question, why marriage, you didn't say relational needs. Maybe you said you came up with the answer in your mind, procreation or... Let's speak in, in English as much as I can speak in English. Uh, having children. Maybe you think that that's the reason for marriage. That's the ultimate reason for, for marriage. Now, did you see there is no mention of children in this passage that you've given me to look at? Now, if having children were the primary reason for marriage, do you not think that this would be mentioned again in this very important passage? 
it's mentioned, it's mentioned in Genesis, of course it is, but it's not mentioned in this, this passage of Scripture. You see, the mention of one flesh here is not just the physical act. It speaks more than the physical act. It knits two people together, forming two people, two individuals who, 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 who keep their identity but become one. It's not just physical it's a great mystery as God knits two people together. However, if marriage were prim- primarily about procreation, having children, then I have a problem. I'm 20 years married, as I've said. My oldest child is 10. You do the math. For the first 10 years of our, our marriage, we thought we couldn't have children. Does that make my na- marriage the first 10 years null? And void, of course not. Of course not. Kim and I thought we couldn't have any children. And I can't imagine now, after 20 years married life, without children, sometimes it's good to get in a train and not be sitting next to children. It always happens to me, actually, when I go away on my own. The seat next to me has got two or three toddlers of kids. And I'm getting a, trying to get away from three of them. Does that ever happen to you? You have children. Always happens to me, or the, in the air, and taking a flight, and the child behind is whacking the seat. And uh, you know, then I'm reminded of my three children and how I probably my three children probably upset others as well. If we were created just to procreate, then there is a problem. Now, although the command to have children is not in this passage. It is in the earlier account in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful in number, fill the earth and subdue it. And it is true that children are a a natural result of a marriage relationship between a husband and wife. However, it should be said that some couples can serve God better without children. There are certain things that we were able to do as a couple in the ten years that we didn't have children that we, we cannot do now. The couple who looked after the young folk in my church, both Kim and I, and my wife and I come from non-Christian families, and we give God thanks for a couple in the, fa- in the church family who didn't have children, couldn't have children, either couldn't have children or decided not to have children, and they looked after the young people in the church. And somewhere in the region of 35 to 40 in my, at my age were, were, were nurtured by this couple from non-Christian backgrounds and, and were nurtured and taught by this couple a couple that couldn't have done that if they had had two, three, four children. Children are a wonderful blessing of marriage. I didn't get any amens there either. Children are a wonderful blessing of marriage, but they don't answer the question, why marriage? They are not the purpose, the primarily purpose of marriage. Let me just think of another answer you might have had in your head when I asked you the question, why did God create marriage? Some people say public order. Public order. This is the very reason some are up in arms about the redefinition of marriage, and rightly so. Public order. What are the consequences of changing our ideas and ideals about marriage. What are the consequences? And can I tell you, I agree 
with this today that it is affecting and will affect public order, our view, our society's view, changing view of marriage. But that's not the subject for this morning. But we no longer have parameters and anything, and quite literally everything goes. It does affect public order. One of the reasons given for marriage is that it provides a means of controlling the volatile nature of, of attraction. Paul writing to Timothy says as much as he writes about some who are widowed young, as for the younger widows when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry, so I counsel younger widows to marry to have children. Let me just see here for it, as in the context of this passage, for if it were not, I wouldn't speak upon it. That God created the physical act in a beautiful way. The act in itself is a wonderful thing to be shared in a loving, trust-filled, secure relationship. It is a thing of beauty. However, it can also, if it's not controlled, it can be unbelievably destructive. Think of some of the excesses of someone who cannot control themselves. Paul writes about it. To the churches, jealousy, lust, envy, unfaithfulness. We read too often of crimes of passion, of crimes where people are forced into things. God saw that marriage, that, that his creation was good, there is instability about at times about sexual desire. The lustful look in Job chapter 31 verse 1, Job says, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. The adulterous look in Matthew chapter 5, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in, her heart, in his heart. The difficulty of guarding pure thoughts, Psalm 119, verse 9, how can a young man, how can a young woman, how can anyone keep their way pure by living according to your word? There, these are examples of the intense difficulties that are inspired and fueled by some desires. The Bible is realistic about this. It's a realistic book, the Bible. And marriage is indeed, or rather should be indeed, effective in curbing these excesses. Yet we must say that that is not the main purpose of marriage as envisioned by God. Because if it is public order that is in, in view here, remember this is pre the fall. This is pre sin. The rebellion and disobedience of man doesn't come into Genesis chapter God saw that it was good. So although public order is a blessing and a benefit for society, it is not the main reason for marriage. So if loneliness, children, and a sense of public order are not the reasons for marriage, then what is? Why marry? We must probe this question further, and it is in the context of the passage of Scripture that we have the answer. What is happening around these verses? If you still have your Bible, what is happening around these verses? 
Why is Eve created? Why indeed was Adam created? Verse 8, now the Lord God had planted the garden in the and there he put man, the man he had formed. Verses 9 to 14 describe for us this garden or this, this creation. And in verse 15 we have the reason God placed man in the garden. Do you see it? The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. Why? To work it and care for it. And in the context, in verse 16 and 17, we have the generosity of God along with his, his command. And in the context of work, in the context of service for God, God said, it is not good for man to be alone in the context of worship and in service for God. I will make a suitable helper for him. The idea is that God would make someone that would match him quite literally, like opposite him, like opposite him. Not to be identical with him, but someone who, who, would, who could be like opposite him. The idea of a compliment, complementing each, each other. Not in the sense that man would be complete with this woman, but in the sense that man, that woman would complement man and man would complement woman. You see, the reason for marriage needs to be seen as it is in Genesis chapter 2 in the context of serving God, serving God better. And it is out of this need of serving and fulfilling the purpose of God that woman was created and beautifully she's taken from man and formed by God into the very one who would be his like opposite him. They say that opposite to Christ. She would be the like opposite Adam. Now Eve is not a helper in the sense that she needs to respond to Adam's every whim and call. She is a helper in the holy calling of service in God's work. Man is to serve, man is to guard, man is to tend the Garden of Eden. And in order for this work to be done effectively, Eve is created. And when you think of couples mentioned in the Bible, if you think of couples mentioned in the Bible, certainly in, in the New Testament, Priscilla and Aquila, for example, in Romans chapter um, 16 I think 15 or 16 they are, they are defined not by their individual by their individual needs being met in one another they are defined by how they serve God together you see it's only in the service of God that marriage begins to make sense you see one of the characteristics of God is love isn't it yeah one of the characteristics of God is love. If I to ask you the question, what is God like? Quite often you would come up, or people would come up with the, the, the attribute of God, the characteristic of God, that God is love. God loves this world. He has created, and in order for this love to continue, to be shown to this world, God creates man to tend it. God creates man to care for it, to look after it. On God's behalf, man becomes God's agent, if you like, of, of seeing work done for God in this world. 
Man gives God. God gives, rather, man this work to do. And in verse 5, it shows us what man had to do. Do you see it? No shrub of the field had yet appeared in the earth, and no plant had sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. And God brings each of the animals before Adam, and none are, are, are suitable for Adam and there is initial disappointment and then God creates Eve from the side of Adam and here we have the first love song in the Bible. Did you know that there was a love song in this passage? There was a love song here. This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of me. It is the wow factor as Adam sees. breath is taken away. This is now bone of my bones. This is flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Adam has seen all creation has to offer, and suddenly he sees her. Wow! In the work of tending God's garden, he is created to help Adam. And really, we cannot have a fulfilled marriage and relationship if it is not served in this life. In the light of God's service. And so therefore, we mustn't think that Adam and Eve, all they did was to stare into each other's eyes all day. I sometimes get annoyed at some of the, the children's Bibles that my children have. You know, the images... They're normally behind a bush, aren't they? And the uh, trees are strategically placed. And Adam is looking, and Eve is gazing at that. And it is, they didn't stare gazing into each other's eyes all day. Give me a break. That's Hollywood. They were serving God together. Serving God and your marriage, you will have a fulfilled marriage in as much as you are both together and you will have individual jobs to do for God, but together you are serving God. It is in this context, everything else is a tragic and a pathetic shadow of why we were created. If we are not living for God, don't expect marriage to change your life. You will be soon disappointed. Honey, the honeymoon period doesn't last long. Of course, if, if this has been recorded, mine la has lasted for 20 years. But the honeymoon period does not last long. So Eve was not created because man was lonely. It doesn't say that. Eve was created because man was alone in the service of God. Although... Let me stress, relational needs are a blessing of marriage. Procreational reasons are a blessing of marriage. Public order is a blessing of marriage, but they are not the reason, the fundamental reason for marriage. The reason that Eve is created is so that Adam and Eve can effectively serve God better. And of course, 
the bad news comes next week, doesn't it? This was, this was, just in case you're wondering, this was good news this week. Bad news comes next week, doesn't it, when the fall comes. And of course, everything has been perverted by the fall. Everything has changed since the fall. That creation mandate, mandate that God gave to Adam and, and then to Eve is now compromised for rebel human beings have decided to go their own way. There is no need for us to fulfill as Christians another command before the creation mandate can be fully fulfilled. And the mandate that we have from God is found in Matthew chapter 28 as Christians. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the, and the Son and the Holy Spirit in order for God's desire that man and women serve him anew. There is need for a, an abandoning of, of, of self-rule, an abandoning of living our lives our own way and turning to God's rule again. The creation mandate will only be fulfilled, really, in the second Adam, rather the last Adam, for there will be no third Adam, Jesus Christ, who calls all men and women to follow after him. And so the task of the church, the task of any marriage, is to be involved in this task of sharing God's authority and rule. And we do that just as Jesus Christ did by proclaiming the gospel. And it would be wrong for me not to tell you this, that the gospel does divide. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not die but have everlasting life. We need to as Christians, as Christian couples, to be involved in telling people about God's rule again. God's rule as it was back in the garden. God's rule that will come one day fully and God's rule which rules in our hearts today if we know love the Lord Jesus Christ why marriage we need if you're married we need to and you need to as a couple sense a call beyond yourself a call to serve God together a call to live for Jesus Christ Together. A call to tell others about who is the Lord of your life. Together. And so as people look on and see the blessings of your marriages, the blessings of love, maybe the blessings of, 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 of public order, maybe the blessings of, of, of procreation, these are all blessings and good of marriage. But beyond all that, they will see that your marriage is a marriage where God is at the center and God is served and God is worshipped and God is lived for and God is all you live for. That's what people see in your mind. Why marriage? For God's glory and God's service. Father, we thank you for creating so many good things in this world. We thank you that the Genesis Father, for the way in which you have structured your people, you have structured creation, you have structured relationships. And we pray, Father, that maybe 
as we go from this place and we are challenged by relationships that are struggling, that are finding it difficult, we pray, Father, that we might draw close to yourself and love you as we are, because it is only in loving you that we can love our partners and serve you as we we can only serve our partner and as much as we serve you. We can only live for uh, your glory and as much as we obey you and abandon ourselves. So Father, I pray that you will bless every marriage and every individual that's here today. May we send Thank you.